This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond. This is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. It is the first half finale of our Sunday show, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Welcome to Target Field, Twins and the White Sox wrapping up the first half of the season today. And the final game of this four-game weekend series, first pitch a little more than an hour from now as Chris Archer is back off the I.L. for the Twins. He'll go for the Twins in the series finale. And right-hander Dylan Cease having a wonderful year. Opposes for Chicago. Should be a great ball game. Hopefully the Twins prevail and split this four-game series. I'm Corey Provis. Welcome to our Sunday show inside Twins as we talk Twins baseball for the next 30 minutes. And today we do so with Twins General Manager Thad Levine. Always a treat to have Thad back on the show. Welcome back to the Sunday show. How you doing? I'm doing terrific. Honored to be here. An extremely exciting time of year. Uh, Major League Baseball on, on the field. The draft starts tonight, and the trading deadline's on the horizon. I want to get to all that momentarily, but first, your team will end today regardless win or loss, win or lose, that this team will be in first place at the end of the first half. When you look back at the last three months, why? What has led to this team's first place standing? You know, one, one thing, a question that we so often get asked before the season starts, how many games do you think you're going to win? My answer has evolved over time, and it's always one more than the second-place team in our division is our hope. So we sit in first place, and we have to be so excited about that. How we've gotten here has been a little bit circuitous, I think. We, we started the season with some really solid starting pitching. We were very deep in our rotation. The offense has really taken over, I think, over the last period of time. The, the bullpen has kind of been riding a wave throughout the course of the season, but it's really been team wins for, for our group. Our, our offense has continued to rank in the top seven or eight in Major League Baseball defensively we've been really solid the pitching when it's been stable and performing we've won a lot of games and I think that's what we're trying to get back to yeah let's let's stick with the pitching here for a moment because you know if you look at if you isolate just the month of July the starting staff the ERA is around six which is the second highest in the American League this month and that also coincides with the change with the pitching staff Wes Johnson leaving for LSU and Pete Mackey being promoted do you connect the two at all, that just the abrupt change with the coaching staff and the climbing in, in terms of the starting ERA this month? I, I don't, it's not a singular correlation, but I think it has to factor in. You know, Wes was such a huge part of our pregame planning. Uh, he, he offered such, such a sense of intelligence and security to our pitching staff. I think we have a ton of confidence in Pete Mackey and Colby Suggs and our advanced scouting group uh, headed by Josh Kalk and, and Josh Ruffin and others. But the reality is, like any time they're changed, there's a, there's a little bit of a transition period. And so 
maybe we take a half step back to take two steps forward. But I, I think it also coincides with some untimely injuries that we've had and also running into some hot teams. I mean, you got to tip your hat at some point. Uh, when we played Cleveland, they were really clicking on a lot of cylinders. Milwaukee's a really good club. They're in first place. Chicago's a team that was forecasted to be one of the best offensive teams in the game. They're starting to show that a little bit now. So it's a little bit of the schedule. It's a little bit of health, and it's a little bit of that transition. And I think that's where we're mindful. Anytime you make changes in the clubhouse, whether it be staff or players, there, it, there's a little bit of a growing period where you, you have to like get gel. And we talk about clubhouse chemistry. Not only does it matter with our players, but it also matters with our staff. Pitching coach Pete Mackey told me after the transition, and he was officially named you know, the pitching coach, he said that in the past, in the bullpen, if he was going to split up his, his conversations between starters and bullpen, he was about 70% bullpen, 30% starters. How common is that in today's game, where the pitching coach doesn't equally divide his time between the starters and the pen? Well, I think, I think that's a transformation in our game. You know, really, it started about four or five years ago where we start, had two bona fide pitching coaches in the major league level rather than just a designated pitching coach and a bullpen coach. So I think with the, the expertise that both these guys bring to, to bear, the way that Wes had divided it up is that he was going to spend the lion's share of his time preparing the, the starters, both for that night's game and in between starts, their, their routines and their regimens. And that Pete, as a function of spending more time in the bullpen, was going to be similarly strategically preparing the relievers. I think that's pretty common in the game, especially when you've got two guys with the expertise that Pete and Wes brought to the table. Chris Archer is back off the IL today. Did not make a rehab start. Archer uh, last threw on June 30th against Cleveland. Uh, Realistically, without him going to St. Paul or or somewhere else and throwing, how many pitches, how deep can he go today in his first start back? I don't know what like a perfect game is usually. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. I th- I think you know. So Chris has been a guy who's delivered a lot of quality to us this season, uh, and he's typically been going about five innings. And so I think we don't see any reason for him to have taken a step back. The time down was really pretty minimal. It gave him a blow to kind of rest, recover his hip throughout the course of the season. But he really has come back feeling great. So I think we're going to let him go as deep as he can. We've got a few off days. Uh, right now and then we're going to start the second half with a few off days sandwiched in there so we have the ability to be pretty uh, conservative with him so I think he's going to go as far as he can go today and hopefully get us a win the second half of the season that four five inning you know limit that we've seen with Archer for the bulk of the first half sometimes it's been three innings do you see that staying at that number the second half or because there's two months left in the season, do you, do you, will you push that a bit more yeah. and have him go out there for six, maybe seven? So I, I think this is one of the biggest advancements in analytics in the game right now. Uh, and it's built around, it's less about innings, it's less about uh, pitches. It's actually about times through the order. And so I think what we've just learned over time is that the third time that a hitter faces a pitcher, the third time the pitcher has to go through the batting order, there's a real degradation in the, in the seesaw shifts in favor of the hitter. And so that's when you see a lot of teams, ourselves included, moving to the pen. So that that allows the starting pitcher to face approximately 18 hitters. How many innings that ultimately materializes to be is you know somewhat open-ended. And also it's, it's somewhat based upon how the game's going. If, the, if we have a big lead at that point, they may have a little bit more latitude. But in close games, of which we've played a ton recently, uh, we're, we're really looking at that third time through as a marker where the qualitative production of the bullpen usually far outweighs what the starting pitcher can deliver at that point. And do you have at this point, and have you at times been too thin with bullpen arms available because of the limitations with the starters and not too often? There are exceptions. You know, Sonny at times has gone seven. We've seen Dylan go eight innings. We've seen Joe Ryan at times push it. But with today, for example, is there that length available 
to work behind Archer if he's if he's done after four or five innings today? I think it's an excellent question. I think you speak to one of the biggest strategic changes in being a pitching coach at the major league level nowadays. It's mapping out not only today's support in the bullpen, but it's the next few days and understanding how to stay a day or two ahead of that and always making sure if you want to subscribe to that strategic theory that we want to bring the relievers in to face the hitters a third time through, you have to have enough arms back there to be able to be fresh so that there's not a huge degradation when they come in the game. So that may be as big a growing pain for for Pete Mackey as anything, uh, as that was something that Wes really mapped out a lot going forward. He included Pete in those conversations, but now that's something that's falling squarely on Pete's shoulders with Colby Sugg supporting him. And so the answer is yes. Like today we have, we do have length, but it's something that we talk about post game every single night is how does our length look like for the next day in the event that the starting pitcher does go three, four, or five innings? Can we support him and still win a baseball game? You mentioned with the bullpen, Thad, earlier that it's it's been riding a wave at times. If you could go look back at the first half of the season, and maybe it's not ideal to, to summarize in one sentence or two, but why has that group been inconsistent? Well, you know, we, we, we've, had some, we've had some injuries. So, you know, Jorge Alcala was a guy that yeah. we had factored in to be a, a real uh, force, seventh, eighth inning in the game. Uh, John Romero was a guy that had some real promise coming out of, out of camp. Uh, Danny Coulomb was a guy that had been a real solid performer for us over the years that we expected to, to contribute. And then, you know, we had some of our veterans who, who had a little bit of unexpected ups and downs to start the season. Now, on the bright side, uh, we didn't really know what John Duran was going to deliver. And I think as we sit here as fans about to watch the All-Star game, like it wouldn't have been surprising to any of us if he had made that team. Uh, how dominant he's been pitching. So there's been some really positive performances to go along with some uh, unexpected injuries and some inconsistencies. But I think that's the nature of bullpens. You know, that, that is historically why we have not invested significant multi-year deals in, in bullpen arms, because outside of a very small set of these guys, it just the, the workload leads to some uh, unexpected injuries, some unexpected performances. And it's really tough that only the elite guys stay consistently good for long periods of time. One more thought on that before we take our first break, and I know you can't discuss exact names, but looking at the bullpen, how to improve that pen at the trade deadline, are you looking for more ground ball arms? Because the Twins' bullpen has been leading the American League in home runs allowed now uh, for, for quite some time. Are you looking for that specific you know, um, strength of a bullpen arm to find more sinker ballers and more guys that can induce ground balls. Because, you know, we actually didn't aspire to lead the league in home runs allowed. <laughs> shocking, in right? home runs, yeah. hard stop there, yeah. but allowed, less appealing. Yeah, uh, It's the qualifier you have to pay attention to Good there. Point. Good <clears throat> but, point. So, so I think one thing that we've tried to do in building out our bullpens, on, on the heels of what I just said, where we haven't invested a ton of uh, money, which is to say we haven't necessarily gotten the most elite relievers on the free agent market, what we have historically done is tried to get different angles, different arm angles, different deliveries, uh, different uh, extremely good pitches. And, and, you know, so we hunt guys who've got great sliders or great change-ups or great breaking balls or really, you know, riding fastballs. So we're hunting great pitches. Ultimately, of course, we'd like to keep the ball in the ballpark more. There's a real opportunity for us to, to get some guys to, who put the ball on the ground because in addition to keeping the ball in the ballpark, we also think our infield defense is really excelling right now. So it's a strength of our team, and we'd like to play into that strength. Right, good stuff there from Thad Levine, Twins GM. Thad Levine is our guest on our Sunday show. We'll take a break, talk about the deadline, the draft, busy times right now for the Twins front office. Our Sunday show continues next on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created. 
And legends are made. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Inside Twins getting set for the Twins and the White Sox at 110. It'll be Chris Archer and Dylan C. So busy times. The amateur draft kicks off tonight. The Twins will have three picks uh, by the uh, night's end. They'll have the eighth overall pick, a second-round pick, and a comp B pick, which is just before the third round begins. How are you, I guess, uh, you know, spreading out your time between draft and also trade deadline coming up August 2nd. You know, it's it's a crazy time of year. Historically, the draft is, is earlier in June, and it allows you to really focus singularly on the draft. Uh, but as you referenced, like, not only do we have games played on the field, we have the All-Star game and Futures game that we're trying to monitor. We, we've got the draft starting tonight and spanning the next three days, and then we've got the trade deadline. So a lot of things are condensed where they had been a little bit more spread out, and we were able to focus a little bit more of our attention. Today's all about the draft, though. Um, you know, we, we have had conversations with teams about uh, trades, but I think by and large teams are really focused in their draft rooms right now and will be for the next three days. So I think there'll be unlikely too many trades in the next couple of days. That'll heat up after the draft finishes. But our attention is singularly on tonight's draft and the enthusiasm around picking eighth. What kind of draft <clears throat> is this? I know it's a broad question, mm. but uh, is this is this a draft that is that is heavy with position players? How's the depth with with pitching, starting pitching, either at the collegiate level, at at the prep level? What kind of draft is this going to be? So I I think what you've seen out of the last handful of drafts is teams tend to select hitters over pitchers early. So, you know, if you look at the top 15 to 20 picks in most drafts, you only see five or six pitchers taken. And part of the reason is that Pitchers you can find later in the draft, most of the offensive like elite players tend to go really highly in the draft. I think this draft will be no different in that regard. Oddly, some of the best prep pitchers and, pre- and best college pitchers suffered significant injuries this year. And as a result, I think there's a little bit of wariness by clubs who may have thought to take them higher in the draft. They just have to factor in those medicals and just the reality of not being able to see that player pitch, if at all, the season as much as they would have liked. So that may push the, the hitters even higher in the draft. But it's a, it's a, it's a balanced draft. I just think we're going to see a, little, a few more hitters go off the board early than pitchers. Remind me, that last year was it the Angels, either all 20 of their picks or their last 10? They said, we're, we're taking arms. I, we don't care... Who's where on the board? We are going all arms. Was it all picks, or was it just the last like it, ten it was or the so? Entire draft, entire draft for draft. them. So when you say where they are on the board, they may not have had a hitter <laughs> on their board. Yeah. Uh, they took all pitchers, and you know that's a franchise that has had such a great offensive unit, uh, or at least at the top. You know, with with Otani and Rendon and Trout and others. Uh, Upton over the years, I mean, it's just such a prolific offensive team and just has not been able to pair it up with the pitching. I think they decided they were just going to flood their pipeline with pitching last year, and they went every single pick, took a pitcher. Alex Hassan, the Twins Director of Minor League Operations. I always chat with him spring training just to get the lowdown on, on the system and guys in camp that, that were added to camp uh, from, from AA, AAA the year before. And I always ask him to identify the strength in the system. What do you like? What area do you feel most confidently about that could impact the big league club? And that the last two or three years, he has always said starting pitching, Mm -hmm. that going into the year that the starting pitching should be really good. Do you still believe that's the case now here in mid-July with with the names we've heard about, but we haven't seen these guys yet impact the big league club at this moment. Some of that's performance. Most of that's because of injury. But do you still believe that that's the case? So I, I think I think that's why we talk about uh, strength in numbers and waves of players rather than individual players. Because to your point, uh, the guys that he thought of when he made that statement, I'm quite certain very few have actually matriculated to the big leagues this year. Now, 
Joan Duran has done exceptionally well. Josh Winder has come up and, and he certainly seems like he's going to be part of our pitching staff moving forward. We've had flirtations with other guys who have come up and, and, and you know, spot started and Cole Sands and other guys like that. That being said, like I think some of the guys that he was thinking about, unfortunately, have had some injuries or some setbacks this year. Now, in kind, some of the guys who are sitting right behind them have taken a huge step forward, uh, and that's exciting. Now, most of those guys are sitting at double A, not triple A, so when they'll impact us at the big league level is a little bit yet to be determined. So I think we have a strength in numbers of starting pitching. The high-end guy who's ready to strike at the big league level beyond Winder and Duran, uh, I think that's yet to be determined. Th- those guys are still uh, lining up as a, as lines of defenses uh, where they're going to end up will yet to be determined. But I think that's where we're reluctant to actually give names and say, watch the track record of this guy. Just because, especially with pitching and the injuries sustained by those guys, the paths to the big leagues are not always linear. How much self-evaluating do you and the staff do, the front office staff, the draft, the scouts, do when you look back on your first season 2017 now through 2022 about how have we done organizationally drafting and developing starting pitching at the big league level do you do you do much of that oh absolutely I, I think we try as best we can to review every decision we make ones that work out and ones that especially don't work out but I think what you see is it's a time horizon that's required um, <clears throat> I think where we are today strength of starting pitching throughout our minor league system is robust. Uh, are we you know, yet to be determined if we have that Johan Santana sitting in, in the minor league somewhere? Uh, but I would tell you from talking to Derek openly, they weren't sure that that was Corey Kluber or, or Clevenger or Bieber, some of the guys who've come up. You know, They didn't necessarily have that pedigree when they were coming through their systems either. So it's about the resources you put around these guys and the and how those guys capitalize on those resources to overachieve their ability. And I think we've put those resources in place, both from a personnel and a technological standpoint, such that we're going to start seeing some of these guys overachieve. Maybe we're starting to see it now, but I'm quite certain we'll see more of that in the future. All right, we'll take our final break on our Sunday show. Come back. Want to ask that about Miguel Sano and get back to the draft and a specific question about what was not worked out, what was not agreed upon during the recent CBA negotiations regarding the amateur draft. We'll take a break, come back. One last segment, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Wraps up next on your home for Twins Baseball. Final segment of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Miguel Sano is uh, rehabbing not far from here with the St. Paul Saints. He's about halfway, right, through yep. his 20, 20 game, uh, twenty is it 20 games or 20 days? 20 days. 20-day rehab assignment. How is it going? And once he gets through this this next stretch, what's next for the big man? So so this is like a, a mini spring training for him. So the 20 games we're trying to take advantage of, he, he had about a third of them uh, down in Florida. He's now playing, obviously, at a much higher level. And so we're trying to give him as much momentum and chance to succeed as we possibly can before we activate him. We're trying to give him like an abbreviated, condensed – spring training and he's swinging the bat really well which is is very encouraging that he's coming off this injury which you know could compromise his strength and his foundation and he's doing so well last night a couple home runs and we want to get him out in the field so that we he can be as versatile as he can when we we activate him but he's a weapon on the horizon one that you know has been out of sight but not out of mind for us and we're excited to have him come back ryan jeffers put on the il the other day with what the, the twins are calling a right thumb contusion but chatting with rocco on the show yesterday he sound more concerned that this is you know, perhaps going to be not not a two-week run here. 
Are you as equally concerned about how long Jeffers will be out? I, I think anytime a catcher has something going on with his hands, it's tough. And, you know, this is just such a, a position of attrition where, you know, he, he's taking foul balls off his body on a regular basis. You see that with both he and Gary. And so we're, we're going to have to plan for a little bit of time down uh, for Ryan, which is unfortunate because what he does game prep-wise and, and getting our, our pitchers through games is exceptional, but he's also been swinging the bat really well. Over the last three or four weeks, he's been one of the best offensive catchers in the game. I, we hope that he will be as sharp when he comes back, but he will be a factor for us down the stretch. It just won't be for the next couple of weeks. Is this leading you, though, to being more active in terms of the trade deadline to look at the catching market than maybe you were thinking of last week? We certainly are more aware of the catching market than we had been 48 hours ago. That was not an area of focus for us. So now when we're talking to clubs, we're adding that to the list of things that we say could be a need for us. It's still kind of the trade deadline. It's an inventory taking time where you call and say, hey, these are our area of needs and these may be our area of surpluses. How do they align with you? You do kind of a big matrix on a board and then you double back with the teams that seem to have the best fit. Catching is, is, is something we're now talking about a little bit more than we had been in the past. All right, final 90 seconds, and I'll, I'll try to get through this quickly here, but with the draft taking place tonight, what was not agreed upon during the recent CBA negotiations is that you can't trade picks, true draft picks. You can move comp picks, which the Twins have one going into round three, but the eighth pick, for example, tonight, you can't trade that to acquire player X. Surprised that that was not worked out during the uh, CBA talks? Not not shocked, maybe a little disappointed. I, I, I subscribe to the theory that I would like to have as many avenues to, to improve our team as we possibly can and have no limitations. And if we choose to trade draft picks to try to better our position or acquire draft picks to improve our future, I'd like to have that latitude. I, I think it's done in every other league. The safeguards against a, a GM who may be on the hot seat trading yeah. four consecutive first-round picks, I understand. But I think the other leagues have effectively managed that. I mean, we saw the the Rudy Gobert trade and how much that energized this fan base. But I think it also probably energized the Utah fan base for how bright their future may be as a result of that. That helps both franchises, gives those two franchises a means to win. I wish we had those means as well. Hey, I appreciate the time. Good luck tonight and the coming days, and enjoy your break. Whatever you can enjoy, because you'll be working, but thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Uh, we thank Thad Levine for joining us. You've been listening us. to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.